Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the bonus, broadcasting live from the Herndon Chevrolet Studios. This is 107 Shop online today and see why Chevrolet makes you smile in Florence. And welcome in. In the bonus is Colin Taylor for God, this is like the eighth day in a row. You're welcome. I'm so spoiled. You're man. welcome. Thank I'll you. Do what I can. It's football season. I gotta we gotta get the content out there. I mean, practically lived here yesterday. Yeah, no, and thir- it, spoiler alert, I will be back in studio 9 to 10 and noon to 3 on Thursday. That's right. I get to do it again. Doubling up, man. I, I mean, just I'm love here spending for time it. with you, Chief. I'm, I just love spending time with you. Right back at you, big guy. Yeah, thank I you. I mean, I'm here for it. Thanks, brother. Uh, appreciate everybody hanging with us through our technical problems this morning. Um, had... Uh, the board die on us uh, before you want. 6 a.m. So the early game was abbreviated today, um, but everything seems to be back in working order. So if, if anything goes wrong and we kick to CBS Sports Radio, just know we will work to get it it's back as soon as we can. because we're scrambling in here to Yes. I, I say we. Tyler is scrambling, and I'm like, what do you need? And because I don't know anything about the technical side of it, I'm just here to ramble. You're, out, you're there to offer a moral support. Yeah. Oh, I'm a big, like, you guys got this. I believe in y'all. Like motivating when I'm when I am an official dad, I'm I'm not going to be the coach of my son or daughter's like pee wee soccer team. Yeah, just going to be the dad that's like, hey, go get him slugger, go get a go get him champ. Here's some orange slices and 
be like, have you thought about just trying harder? And then that's what, that's the dad I'm, and then there's going to be a cooler in the back of my car somewhere for the other dads. You know, I, I like that parent better than dad that screams and yells the entire game. That and is it's not like, going to be me. Sir, these are seven-year-olds oh, and yeah. we're playing t-ball. Yeah, that's not going to be me. I have decided full hook, line, sinker that I'm just going to be like, I'd like to think that I'm going to be the chill dad. Yeah. In the moment, you don't know, but I think I'm, I'd think i like to think I'm going to be the chill dad. You know, it's really funny to look back on, and me and my dad were talking about this a couple weeks ago, and I went back home for a few days. The, like, guys that you grew up, like, playing rec sports with, whether it be football, baseball, basketball, whatever, whose, like, parents were convinced they were going to become pros because they were, you know, the best guy on the field at a recreation level, and then, like, you look back years later, and it's like, yeah, that guy never made it past well, high school. Well, it was funny, like, I I, forget, I don't know why, but I was thinking about this the other day, and I promise we'll talk sports, but, like, when I was in peewee football. This is sports. When I played, <laughs> when I was in, like, middle school. Yeah. Um, it was, I remember, like, this guy, this running back we had, he was, like, I mean, just yeah, unstoppable. And I was like, whatever happened to him? He just popped into my head the other day, and I, I don't think he played past, like, junior year high school that, like, that's what was so, so elite that's what's so great about like eight-year-old facebook but, yeah is you can like hey whatever happened to so-and-so look him up I'm like oh you know he's a construction worker now and never you know played college ball or whatever we had a similar guy um in my rec league his name was devin mcdonald the most dominant pitcher hitter you've ever seen he no hit my team one time back when we were like 11 12 years old and his dad was convinced he was going to go become a pro. He called his son Million Dollar Arm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he told other parents that was his retirement plan out there on the mound. Yeah, that guy didn't even play baseball in high school. Yep, that sounds about right. Yeah. The nerdiest part of all of this, do you remember, Michaela and I were laughing about this the other day. Do you remember Accelerated Reader? Did you guys have oh, Accelerated yeah. Reader? Yep. Did you ever win Accelerated Reader? Oh, I was the top reader in the school like two or three by, years. I was the top I. But here's the one that I remember, talking about people you remember from your childhood. Yeah. I remember the girl that beat me Ooh. when I was in, like, third grade for the Accelerated Reader Championship. In a similar vein, last one before we jump into what happened last night. Similarly, we did a poetry contest every year back in elementary school. I, you would have, like, your class competition, and then you'd have, like, the school competition, if you won the school competition, you went on to, like, yep. the county or whatever, competing mm -hmm. against other schools. Every single year, I won my class, and every single year, I finished second to the same girl named Olivia oh, see, in the school competition. Mine was Grace. Here's the problem. The last year, fifth grade, she screwed up her poem. I know because I memorized her poem, too. <laughs> I did mine perfectly, and she still won. Conspiracy? I think so. Well, see, Grace was like two or two, like two years older than me, and it was like us back and forth for a couple years. Yeah. And then when she left, oh, I dominated. But the best part was, we joked, if you won, if you were like in the top ten in Accelerated Reader, uh -huh. you got a pizza party. They took you to CC's during right. school. Yeah. You got to go in a limo, and go to CC's Pizza in a limo. And Michaela, I told her this, and she goes, "That is the most least surprising thing I learned about you that you were the limo kid," and. They probably stopped doing that because you ate so much pizza there. And I was like, that's honestly that's fair. probably true, yeah. And we did the same thing. The, the limo ride to CC's was yes. always fun. Uh, you know who didn't get a limo ride to CC's last night? Was it Dabo? Dabo, all of Clemson, all of quite Clemson. frankly. Yes. 
Do you want me to update the spreadsheet with my Duke pick now, or do you want to do that I, I would later? say uh, uh, congratulations are in order to Colin because out of everyone on the Gamecock Central staff, including us here at 107.5 The Game, that made picks for this past weekend, you were the only one to pick Duke. Now, we were talking about this yesterday. You were going into last night looking at a mass disadvantage if everybody got that Clemson pick right, and now it's flipped. Right. Well, now, so everyone either won, no one did well. Everyone either won five to four games. So would you like to know the standings? Yes, please. Tell me. First, with five wins, Chris Clark, Terry Ford, Griffin Goodwin, Joe Machica, Wes Mitchell, Jay Phillips, Colin Taylor, and Mike Yuva. With four, Tyler Head, Jack Veltry, and Chris Wellbaum. So I'm not even tied for first. Wow. No, you're tied for second, though, if there's some solace in there. Well, no. Technically, everybody that's tied for first would occupy spots like right, yeah, one T, through yeah. seven or whatever. Right. So technically, I'm tied for like eight. Eight, yes. You know who else is tied for eighth in the ACC? <laughs> Clemson. Clemson. Um, so Clemson goes on the road to Duke last night. Ball's 28 to 7. It um, wasn't that close. It was not I that know. close. I, I and you and I were texting about this last night. I think we all need to apologize to DJU. Yep. Because last season with Braden Streeter as the offensive coordinator, everybody, you know, rained on DJU like, oh, he's just not that guy. You know, he's not a good enough quarterback. And Well, the, the narrative around the, the, the South Carolina upset last year was, well, if, if Cade played, it would have been a different story. Yeah. Cade would have won that game for us. And we talked about this the other day. Maybe it was yesterday. I hadn't seen enough of Cade Club to know how good he was. He, of course, played sparingly last year and, you know, mop-up duty or whatever, um, where Clemson was usually winning in spite of their offense just because, as always, they have a pretty good defense. Mm -hmm. Um, You get into, of course, South Carolina game where DJU didn't throw for over 100 yards. So the next week in the ACC championship game, DJU gets the start, not playing well. They're throwing Cade Club. Nick goes out there, plays great, and wins MVP despite – starting the game on the bench, obviously, which is pretty unheard of. Um, but as we know, North Carolina's defense was not great last great. year. Mm-hmm. They end up getting beat by Tennessee in the bowl game. K. Klubnik, not a great performance there. So it's like I didn't really know how to gauge how good or bad this guy was. And last night, with new offensive coordinator Garrett Riley, it didn't look like anything special. They didn't let Cade be Cade. Well, like, them, that's the, I was expecting a lot more wrinkles than what I saw and you just you got a lot of screens you got a lot of horizontal passing game and they were running the ball well because of Will Shipley and how good but the offensive line wasn't elite right um they didn't have a lot of difference makers at wide receiver so yeah it's just I mean you could have DJU was probably part of the blame last year but the the surrounding cast around him was just not I mean not 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 up to the what they called like the Clemson standard There's a lot to unpack from this game, and we'll we'll certainly continue talking about it. But quickly, Garrett Riley, this is his first opportunity being truly on his own as an offensive coordinator. Saying Sonny Dykes. Because he's been under Sonny Dykes, was at, uh, what, SMU. I think it was over at TC with him last year. They, of course, ride that all the way to the national Mm -hmm. championship game. Funny enough, they only put up seven points in that game as well. So this was his first chance to truly have control of the offense himself. And as you said, it just looked clunky 
Mm-hmm. A bit uninspired, screens, uh, checkdowns on like third and long and stuff like like just not the high octane offense that everybody in Clemson was expecting Garrett Riley to bring in. And then they they just they bogged down in the red zone. The what two turnovers inside the the Duke ten yard line? They got inside <clears> the ten yard line three times, did not score a single time. One of them was on a, a missed field goal. Yep. Um. Then the two fumbles and yeah, just it's just it, it was. It was bad, and yeah, the special teams, they had three special teams miscues. Yeah. Two blocked field goals, and then Antonio Williams um, fielding that punt inside the, like, the half-inch line or whatever it is when it was mm. going to go into the end zone. Yep. Um, it's just, it was jarring because you're so used to seeing them be a, a relatively well-coached football team, and, and, and it just, it didn't, they didn't look as prepared as you're, you're you tend to see from a Clemson team. And coincidentally, their one touchdown drive was because of came off of a Duke special teams gaffe. Right. You could have very well gotten shut out in that game. Yeah. And again, Duke was the Duke Duke was faster than you at Duke, times. Duke was more physical. Yes. Um faster. Better faster. prepared. Yeah. I mean, they were the better team last night. That, I mean, yes. That's the only way to put it. They won by 21 points, and it did not feel like a 21-point win. It felt like an even worse win than that. And that's kind of the, you know, I talk about this with, with Georgia football. Um, and, again, we'll continue this conversation as show goes along. For, for years, Georgia football always had that problem of, like, winning in those tight situations at the end. You know, they'd be up by a couple points, but you always think, okay, how are they going to find a way to lose this game? Right. Clemson, on it's a reverse all, of that, yes. was always in that situation of, oh, man, they're they're down by a, couple, by a score too late, but they always found a way to work their way back in and ended up winning the game. Yes. Last night was one of those situations where it's like you didn't have faith that they were going to be able to do that. Right. Ask any South Carolina fan that has had to watch Clemson do what Clemson's done for the last seven or eight years and ask them how lucky they think Clemson is. Because every South Carolina fan is going to be like, they walk around with rabbit's feet in their shoes and everything. And th- I, I agree. Like, I texted someone last night. Clemson's winning this game 22-21. to 21. That was back when it was 21. So, like, Clemson's winning this game in a weird... Sure. They're going to find a way to make something happen because you see it time in and time out with that team. When you have Clemson on the ropes, you've seen teams try to do too much. You've seen teams mess up because of it, and then Clemson ends up finding a way to win. And there's some solace in that if you're Clemson, but it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. We'll continue this conversation as In the Bonus Rolls Along. He is Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on The Game. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5 The Game in Florence. I'll touch my V-neck sweater. 
welcome back into in the bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head. That was the call last night on ESPN. Jalen Stinson picking up the fumble from Phil Moff at the four-yard line as Clemson was in a goal-to-go situation. Ends up returning and not all the way for a touchdown, but setting up Duke for a uh, what ended up being their final touchdown in the 28-7 victory over Clemson last night. Clemson coming in as the number nine team in the nation, their lowest ranking to start a season since 2015, where they coincidentally did end up going to the national championship game that uh, that year. But uh, if things don't improve from what we saw last night, they're they're, they're not going to make the college football playoff. No, and we played the schedule game before we went on the air. Charleston Southern next week should be a win. Yep. But a Tom Herman FAU team, that can be scrappy. That could be closer than they would like. Right. If that's like 24-17 going to the fourth quarter. Yeah. You know, you could see it. Um, September 23rd, Florida State comes to town. I don't think that one's going to go well. If Clemson plays the way they did last night and Florida State plays the way they did Sunday. Yep. Then they go to Syracuse, which oh. is always, they've always struggled to play there. That uh, That's a sneaky one. Those which, games always are pretty close. By the way, I just noticed it's no longer the Carrier Dome. Yes. It's the, the JMA Wireless Dome. It's kind of weird to have the Carrier Dome when you don't have air conditioning in the dome. That was always the funny part about yes. it. Uh, then you get Wake Forest at home. A, a Wake Forest team that took Clemson to overtime or double overtime. Yeah, that Sam was a Hartman. wild game last yeah. year. It was a wild game because that was also the Aaron Judge cut Oh, and they kept cutting yeah. in. That's right. Uh, but then you get your off week, but it's at Miami after that. Mm-hmm. At NC State after that. Notre Dame at home. Then you close with Georgia Tech, which should be a win. Mm-hmm. North Carolina, which now looks like a toss-up. And then South Carolina, and who knows what who knows what either of these teams are going to be by November twenty fifth. But you know, and we can transition and talk about this from a South Carolina lens. Clemson, you had one idea about their season; they lose, and now you're re racking and playing the schedule game, right? And it's similar to South Carolina in a way, where they have a game. Maybe I think we learned more about Clemson in this game than mm-hmm. we learned about South Carolina. But the South Carolina game just confirmed maybe the severity of some of our concerns on what this team could be. Yeah, absolutely. And I was reading some of the, um, you know, people that cover Clemson and and their write-ups after last night in a very similar way to how we felt about Dow Loggins' offense this entire offseason. You know, they said everybody was very optimistic about Garrett Riley uh, going into this year. And obviously you have a sample size of college actual play-calling him prior to this year but as you mentioned a few minutes ago that was all under Sonny Dyke's direction so he certainly had an influence on that this was the first time that Garrett Riley truly had full control over what was happening offensively and again and, and some of it was on K Club Nick you know ma- making some bad decisions but it just didn't feel as wide open as people thought it was going to be right they weren't putting up 45 points and weird when you don't have a Max Duggan or a Quentin Johnston yeah. or that running it, back core like that happens. And that's a glaring issue with Clemson that also plagued them last year. I mean, you have Antonio Williams. He's Good. fine. Yeah. But when you talk about the, what, Justin Ross and uh, T. Higgins, uh, T. Higgins and uh, Sammy Watkins and, like, these superstar wide receivers they've had uh, a, a bevy of over the past decade or so, it's glaring when those guys, when those kind of guys are gone. Yeah, they just don't have the same difference. Make, uh, Justin Ross. Yeah. Um, what cha- what flipped that national championship game against Alabama and California? That 
amazing Justin Ross catch yep. up the sideline, and they just haven't recruited that position all that well. I believe Jeff Scott was the wide receivers coach up there in charge of recruiting. I think so. Those, and they were they were able to dip into South Florida for a ton of guys, and when he left, it was it was really tough to get them. And you know they they don't recruit poorly, but compared to maybe the upper echelon and you know some of the underlying stuff, it, it kind of a as the great Taylor Swift would say, the death by a thousand cuts. And That's right. It's it's not just the offensive coordinator. It's not yeah. just DJU, well, but it's a combination of all of those things together. And Dabo Sweeney has been very vocal about not wanting to dip his toes into the transfer portal. And I think last night was a glaring example because when you look at like a team like Colorado that was able to completely overhaul their entire roster in one offseason by bringing in a ton of people from elsewhere. And again, we still need to see a couple more games to really figure out what they're going to be. But they're a far cry from what they were a season ago at what, 1-11 or something like that. Um, It's either adapt or die pretty much. And if Clemson is going to continue or Dabba Sweeney is going to continue to say, we're we're just going to recruit the good old way and, you know, hopefully we can develop all these guys and they stick around, like you're going to continue to fall farther and farther behind. Right. And and that's the thing that, yes, you know who doesn't have to use the transfer portal to the nth degree? Georgia. Yeah. Uh, You know who doesn't have to use the transfer portal the way they, that other teams do? Alabama. Right. Because they recruit at an incredibly high level. Clemson is ranked 11th right now, in or 11th in the 2023 class. That They were a top 15 class, which is good. Do not get me wrong, that is really good. But their 2022 class, I believe, was the guys that are now sophomores. Yep. 14th, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, 50% blue chip ratio. But when you're talking about competing at, like, again, the highest level it's just it's you need to get the talent in you need to coach them up and you need to supplement positions of need like receiver which there's a bevy of right um in the in the class and they're they were a 13th in the 2024 ranking so mm. just it is what it is and now that game in november gets even more interesting because now it's a South Carolina team that needs to get a lot better, and the Clemson team yeah. that needs to get a lot better, too. Well, and now you no longer have this stranglehold over the ACC. Florida State's obviously back to prominence. North Carolina's obviously good. We saw them the other night, and you have several other teams that can certainly make that jump and be in the mix. It's no longer Clemson's world with everybody living in it anymore. Yeah, because other teams were able to catch up through the, the portal. Transfer portal. The portal. Weird um, concept. Name, image, and likeness and being able to, to supplement their roster that way. And um, if you had told me when Travis Hunter decommitted from Florida State that Mike Norvell would have a, what appears on paper to be a playoff caliber team yeah. two years later, three years later, whatever it is, when to believe hey, you. People were ready to run him out of town Do at you remember the end the of Twitter spaces? the 21 uh, season. Yeah. And there comes a level of patience and being able to use your resources, whether it's NIL, whether it's just all of the other stuff that Florida State obviously has, they used it, and now Clemson, you don't get the cakewalk that you typically did for Clemson into the playoff or into the ACC championship game every single year. And two, I mean, you can talk about it, that say what you want to about Deshaun Watson, but you went from Deshaun Watson brief break from to Kelly Bryant to mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, two generational quarterbacks. It's no shock that you won, played for X number of national titles and won two of them. Yeah, absolutely.
Um, so uh, both Power 5 programs in the state of South Carolina scratching their heads after week one in college football and uh, certainly see what happens with Clemson going forward, but not a whole lot of optimism coming out of game number one last night up there in Duke. We'll uh, jump back into South Carolina coming up as uh, in the middle of our show yesterday, right at the very end, the new depth chart dropped. Depth chart. Depth chart. And uh, it looks mostly the same with a few differences. Mm -hmm. And for those that did not get a chance to hear us yesterday afternoon, we'll uh, touch on that a little bit more coming up. You're listening to In the Bonus. He is Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on The Game. talking about sponsored by love chevrolet on your home of the game docks in columbia 107.5 the game also heard on 100.3 the game in myrtle beach and 100.5 the game in florence welcome back in in the bonus it's colin taylor i'm tyler head here on a tuesday of course South Carolina suffered a couple of injuries on Saturday night against the Tar Heels, and the new depth chart that came out yesterday reflects that to some degree. Um, the most notable change as far as the offensive line goes, of course, with Case and Henry being out for an undisclosed amount of time, but it's going to be a while. Uh, right tackle now shifts Tyshawn Wanamaker, who was listed as the backup going into last week, which Last week, they just lifted, listed tackle and tackle. They didn't specify left or right, but right. it does specify this time as well as the guard spots. Mm -hmm. So you have Fugar and Hughes, the same on the left side, and then you have Wanamaker and Ja'Kai Moore on the right side. Now, the interesting thing about this is Ja'Kai Moore is the starting right guard as well as the backup right tackle. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I think the offensive line is going to look vastly different on Saturday. Does that mean as a starting group? Maybe not. But I think when you look at percentages of plays played at each position, mm -hmm. I think that whoever takes the most snaps at a position is going to look vastly different than um, what it looked like in week one. When you look at you know, Nick Arzulo, I think he's going to play a ton. Where, we don't know. I mean, he could shift center, he could play guard, he could he play, he can play all three spots up front. Um, Tashon Wanamaker did not have did not have a good game. Um, looking at his PFF numbers, you're looking at he played 51 snaps, finished with a 52 overall grade, but a 34.1 pass blocking grade, which is not great. The Jakai Moore thing's interesting. The Jakai Moore thing is really, really, really interesting because he started out at tackle at the beginning of camp. We watched him play a lot of left tackle yes. early. Yes. Do you shift him back? Yes, this is what the depth chart looks like, but hey, do you shift Ja'Kai Moore to left tackle if, if he wins that job in practice? You put this depth chart out on Tuesday, you still got three days of practice meetings and a walkthrough to go through before the game. Right. Do you put him out there? Or, you know, where does Nick Arzula play a versatile piece? Where Do you move Sidney Fugard to right tackle? All of these questions are out there, and... Who knows what it looks like, but I do think you could very much see a a shifted around offensive line um, as you 
go into this Furman week and then Georgia after that? Well, essentially, Ja'Kai Moore, when we go back to the beginning of spring, has almost kind of bounced around to every single spot but the center position because, right. of course, when Jalen Nichols goes down at the left tackle spot, it was assumed that Ja'Kai Moore was going to be the one to take that spot on the left side because he had the, he did play at both left and or left tackle and left guard last season. Now you're talking about him on the right side of the line and the ability to play between both those spots too. Yes. Uh, do you want to go through the offensive line? So every single player who, every single offensive lineman who played more than 30 snaps. Sure. Allowed at least three pressures. Nick Arzulo allowed three. Okay. Kai Moore allowed three. Sidney Fugar allowed three. Jackson Hughes allowed four. This is according to PFF. Yep. Jackson Hughes allowed four. Rashawn Lee allowed five. And then Tyson Wanamaker allowed five. Um, and Spencer Rattler even mentioned like they were doing a lot of line gap, linebacker gap A stuff, just trying to put pressure on in the interior and yep. overload them, and, and it worked. Um, not shocking. It's going to be really interesting to see, hey, if, if South Carolina struggles offensively with that offensive line early, who goes out, who goes in, and if they get up 21, who do you put in, or 28, who do you put in? Do you go young? Do you start just shifting guys around to see how they play at different positions? There are, again, a lot of machinations, and I think it's going to look just a little different as you go into this Furman League. Uh, elsewhere on the defensive side of the ball, uh, the, the edge spots, you still have two oars on either side. However, Ooh. you move Terrell Dawkins out of one side and put in Drew Tuazama um, for the first time on the depth chart. Yes, and I don't know if Dawkins is banged up. We we haven't gotten a, a true update on him, but Drew Tui in there. I can't wait to watch him play. I'm he, I'm intrigued. Uh, yeah, like the, he was. He's the most intriguing guy that made it back onto the depth chart because Tuazama played. Let's look. He only played. If I'm I'm scrolling through. 22, he played 22 snaps according to PFF, which is not nothing. 62 overall grade, 71.5 tackling grade. Uh, didn't create a pressure, but was just almost kind of out there, right. if that makes sense. What does that look like when he plays 30 snaps, 35 snaps, if you get him out there for it? So uh, I'll be really interested to see what he can do and if JT Gear can't go again, maybe you you trot him out there and say, start, see what happens. Um, go play the defensive end spot and see what you can do, and then just get your feet under mm-hmm. you against. Here we are disrespecting the Dens, okay. but you know, get your feet under you and, and just kind of see what happens. And, and for a guy like uh, Tuazama, he obviously made a big impact on UAB. And you go back and watch some of his highlights and see what a dynamic edge guy he was. The the only concern with him this early on in the season is how quickly is he able to adapt to South Carolina's playbook? How is he able, how fast is he able to get up to speed on everything? Is he ready to go out there and take a bulk of the snaps and and you know. Uh, Shane Beamer and and, uh, the other coaches seemed pretty confident in him over the past couple weeks that he was going to get his opportunities to have uh, to get on the field and play. And like I said, he did get out there for 22 snaps on on Saturday night. Uh, We'll we'll see how that workload increases as the season goes along. Right, and I think that that falls back on coaching, too. The how much can you ask him to do? How, How can you streamline and tailor things for him to... Make it so he doesn't have to think. Make it so that he's not having to worry about playing in free flow and checking and doing that. Now, if you can do that, it's even better. But 
and he's an older guy, which I think helps. It's not like you're bringing a freshman in two weeks before the season starts. He's right. been there, done that. How much can you speed up his clock to make sure he's ready to go? That way, you just all you have to do is say, go out there, rush the pads, or hey, go out there, hold the edge. And if you can, then he has a chance to be a really impactful piece moving forward. Right. Uh, one more difference on this depth chart. You go to the nickel spot. Uh, last week, it had Keenan Nelson Jr. over David Spalding. And now you have an or in here that includes Kwan Banks as well. Kwan Banks, of course, getting the uh, interception on Saturday night. Yes. And yeah, Kwan Banks played well. David Spalding, I believe, got banged up, if I'm not mistaken. A dude that's kind of just been perpetually just nicked and scraped. He only played seven snaps. Kwan Banks, though, 15 snaps, which, I mean, somewhat of a sample size. Yep. 72.8 overall grade on PFF, two tackles. Uh, was targeted one time on Saturday with the pick. And he just gives you a, a different dynamic, another one of that talented freshman class last year. So I'm interested. Call me call me intrigued with Kowan Banks and what he could potentially do because if Spalding is banged up, then he's probably your backup nickel, and uh, we'll see what that looks like. Well, I, I think DQ Smith is your backup nickel right. to a degree. Right, right. Both of those guys are healthy. Like if even yeah. Worry and Smith are healthy, DQ Smith is your backup nickel with uh, Kilgore your backup safety. But if not, then Kawan Banks goes in there, and I think he's a he's really serviceable. I think he's a kind of a high floor guy. You kind of know what you're going to get week in and week out with him. And, and off of that, Emil Worry is still listed as the starter at safety. Juice Wells still listed as a starter at the top wide receiver spot. You know, Beamer called them questionable in his teleconference. On Sunday night, I would imagine you're probably not going to want to trot those guys out there against Fremont. Again, no disrespect to the Dens, nope. but you want them as healthy as they can be for Georgia next week. Right. That's the big one. Um, yes, that's Furman. You're, you should be able to beat Furman. Now, You, if you're South Carolina, you probably want to go out there and, and make a statement and kind of get the mojo back a little bit. But um, Shane Beamer is going to be judged not on this Furman game, and to a degree, maybe not on this Georgia game, just because Georgia's death machine defensively. But you're going to be judged. The, this season will be dictated by the next five games. Yeah. Mississippi State at Texas, or at Mississippi State at Tennessee by Florida, Missouri, A&M, Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt. Yeah. I mean, that, that stretch will determine... Good season, bad season, good season, or great season, I think. Yeah, and, and we're going to learn a lot in just this first month alone because you do play five games by the end of September, uh, yes. capped off with going on the road to Tennessee, which, of course, is not going to be easy uh, easy at all. Uh, Coach Beamer will be speaking a little bit later on this afternoon at 1.30. We'll have it for you right here on the game, sponsored by PAL Wine Pools and Spas. We'll preview what we hope to hear from Coach coming up. You're listening to In the Bonus. He is Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on the game. Bonus with Colin Taylor from Gamecock Central and Tyler Head, powered by Twin Peaks and Candy Foundation specialists on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in in the bonus. It's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head. Here on the game, 
Man, these hours fly by, don't they? Well, when like you've done three, like when you're used to doing three at times, like yeah. now it's like, oh, it's just yeah, an it's hour. Like, oh, that's nothing. Yeah, I miss uh, it. I miss yeah. it when I'm not with you, buddy. Uh, we'll be doing three hours again on Thursday. Thursday. Yes. Um, After all of the availabilities and the fun stuff. That yeah. Happening. So we'll have plenty of uh, reaction to talk about. NFL yes. will be starting on Thursday. Obviously, getting set for week two of college football. Like this is such a and look, doing sports radio is fun year round yes and we talk about basketball we talk about baseball all those things are great but man once you're in football season it kicks into another gear well because there's something it feels like every single day yes like monday we get overreaction monday reaction monday mm-hmm. then it's tuesday it's shane beamer then it's wednesday it's coordinators and thursday is the call-in show and murray state at louisville get excited yes plus the nfl season starting then obviously friday you get games Saturday's big day. Sunday, you're recapping it. It's just you get into a flow. Exactly. Because there's so much going on to it. You have to be in a certain workflow. That's why you feel so depraved after football season finally ends. It's like, what do you mean I don't have a press conference to watch today? Right. What do you What do you mean I can't sit and wa- and write a couple stories while watching Buffalo play Toledo on a Wednesday night at 5 o'clock? Exactly. Yeah. Did you know Wake Forest and Vanderbilt are playing at 11 a.m.? I did see that. Uh, They ran a promo for it last night during the Clemson-Duke game. So this is really interesting to me because for the longest time, we've had these, like, locked-in start times because of TV. Yep. It's like, okay, noon, 3 or 4, 7, 7, 30. You know, pretty pretty routine stuff. But now that you've... ESPN is really leaning into the ESPN Plus model mm-hmm. with also the ACC Network Plus and the SEC Network Plus. That now we're getting like 11 a.m., 5:15, 2:15, right. like weird, 7:15. Like they're just kind of throwing any kind of start time out there. Yep, odd. Just I don't like it. Have your standards. Yeah. N- now give wh- me my noon. Give me my. 3.30, give me yeah. my 4, give me my 7, and give me my 7.30. Now, once we actually get into conference play where there's, you know, you're not having to, you know, work out 14 games over the course of an entire day, like, that'll become a little bit less because um, then you'll have your normal TV windows. But you have to do these first couple of weeks, and, like, you know, Georgia played on ESPN Plus this past weekend at 6 o'clock, which is just an odd start time. And, like, um, it, it's definitely definitely different these first couple of weeks. 11 a.m. kick sounds beautiful on the East Coast. 11 a.m. kick sounds beautiful. Yeah. Uh, don't know how much tailgating is going to be going on for that game. At the rowdy Wake Forest tailgate scene? You know, w- Winston-Salem, man, it's a different kind of place. Hey, man. Witches. I guess. You know, the, the Vanderbilt faithful, I'm sure, making that trek, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, I can only imagine how many. Uh, the convoy that will be the Vanderbilt team. <laughs> now, if, if Vanderbilt wins that game... 3-0, by the way, it would be 3-0. They'd be 3-0. Technically have the best record in all the SEC right now. Yeah. Um, are they chanting SEC? Like oh, fans have, chanting SEC? I, I believe that's in the, I believe that's in the, uh, the contract. I believe that's in the contract. <laughs> you get kicked out of league if you don't yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. if, you win on, if you win a non-conference road game, you have to. Yeah. Uh, again, Coach Beamer coming up later today at 1.30. We'll have that for you right here on the game. Sponsored by Pete Alewine, Pools and Spas. He breaks down what happened on Saturday night and begins looking ahead to Furman on Saturday. What particular thing are you most interested to hear from Coach today? I'll be interested. He didn't touch on it a ton in the teleconference, just kind of the machinations of the offense, how it went week one, calling plays, getting all of that stuff in. What did he think of the just the play calling and apparatus, the play calling itself, 
and the red zone struggles. I'm interested to hear kind of what he has to say about um, just why things bogged down. Was it just lack of execution? Was it maybe some play calls you wish you had back? Was it, you know, some decision-making? What went into South Carolina stalling out, especially in the second half, mm-hmm. in the red zone? Uh, and we do get Luke Doty, Nick Garjulo, Vershawn Lee, and Jordan Strawn on the docket. Today. That's wide receiver Luke Doty to you. Yes, that is starting slot receiver Luke Doty. I'm sure he will get plenty of questions oh, about definitely. the wide receiver role that he is. And he played well. He did. So, yeah. We'll talk about that, and then with Beamer, you're probably going to get injury stuff. I'd probably get the official update on Mokaba, you would imagine. You would think. think. Yeah. Um, Unless Mo's going to put something out there. Maybe. And then maybe just, hey, going into a week where you're heavy favorites, what does, how many guys do you, would you like to get in? What's the balance between, like we talked about, throwing some of those younger guys into the fire versus building up their confidence and trying not to run them out there too soon, Yeah, if that makes sense. Where does that balance fall? And some guys are ready sooner than others, but at, you know, at some point, too, if, if the offensive line continues to struggle, you have two blue chippers and a, and a fringe blue chipper in Trevon Ball that you might say, look what Texas did last year. Yeah, um, you know, they, they had a really quality offensive line class. They started like all three of those guys as freshmen, got their feet wet, and then now they, they're they a Big 12 favorite because they have a, a quality offensive line with some experience and some talent. So we'll be interested to probably gauge his thoughts on, on some of that. My guess is there will not be as many people there. You will, I'll be able to get multiple questions in. Okay. Are you going to ask the first question, or is that still Clonagher's? Tyler. Dumb question, I know. Come on now. Um yeah, so we'll get we'll get some interesting stuff. Week two is always I'm glad it's a Furman week instead of like a bigger, bigger game. Yeah. No disrespect to the dens, but um you get a little bit more chance to kind of explore things and see kind of where their heads are at. Well next week's gonna kick into a different gear. Oh yeah. But oh yeah. Well we'll get there when we get there. That's that'll do it for today's edition of In the Bonus. Garnet Trust Hour coming up next here on the game. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.